I don't understand how they can keep getting down to these teams like this. I mean, do they, do they intentionally come into the game saying, let's get down by three scores, guys. Come on, let's go. But it's going to catch, it's going to catch up to them this weekend. If they get down on the road at A&M, they're going to get blown out. Yeah, yeah you can't. You can't go down um, 17 or 21 points. You can't go down three scores to uh, Texas A&M, especially at College Station. And now that's a recipe for failure. Um, it's funny because I, I did the same thing, and I'm trying to think back. You know, we, we've obviously both of us have seen numerous games. I mean, thousands of games. And I'm trying to think, was there a game that ending was as insane as that one? I couldn't think of one. And my buddy who was at the Michigan game, he uh, he sends me a text as he's leaving the stadium. What just happened in Athens? And I go, Hail Mary Part One and Hail Mary Part Two. I see that's essentially <laughs> what it was. Yeah, I've never seen it, and I mean, Tennessee made a stupid. I mean, Georgia fumbling in the end zone. The, the offensive coordinator calling a play like that with a freshman in a big time situation was stupid. That was dumb. Um, mm-hmm. Georgia fumbles it. Tennessee gets on it. But I, I'm tired of people saying that Tennessee got lucky. Um, they didn't get lucky on that Hail Mary. The guy, they threw it up to me. They planted it out. The guy, 6'4", six, 6'3", six, whatever he is, jumped up to the highest point and grabbed the ball. I mean, now, when Auburn beat Georgia that year, that was lucky. When it bounced off two people's hands and the guy's running in stride and catches it on the way to the end zone, to me, that's lucky. What I saw with Tennessee last night was not luck, Jonathan. That was just being at the right place at the right time. I mean, you know, you practice that every day in practice, I'm sure. And I think Tennessee wanted that ball more. And to give it to Georgia again for a secondary collapse, uh, it's always happening to them. You think they would learn to get, on, get in the end zone in front of the receivers, but they never, they never do. Why not tackle the guy if you have to? I don't know. Not, nobody calls interference in the end zone anymore. Hell, Mary, so just – Good how to get the ball here, Georgia. And then Kirby Smart throwing him under the bus after the game, uh, trying to act like it wasn't his fault. It was his fault. He coaches those players too, right? Yeah, I mean, I understood why they put Lorenzo Carter uh, back there in the end zone as their tallest player. He should have the best advantage of knocking the ball down. But he's obviously never been in that situation before because – Carter just drifted to the end line. If you watch the replay, he's at the back of that pack where the ball lands. Um, you saw, you know, and on a, on a, you know, rule number one is obviously you know, always is don't let a receiver get behind you. That's how Georgia scored their final touchdown. Um, but on a hell Mary, rule number one is don't let receivers uh, sit in front of you. Because it's a Hail Mary, that ball is going to come down short. You don't want to be behind him, um, you know, because you already got four guys sitting behind him. And he ain't getting behind nobody. So don't let him just sit in front of you. That, you know, I mean, look, it, obviously Georgia had poor execution in the second half. Uh, they had poor play calling in the second half. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I want to give Tennessee a lot of credit because Tennessee came back yep. in a three-point game and Georgia scored right – I mean, boom, 24-14. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. They're not going to be able to pull this one off, are they? And they get the huge strip sack touchdown, uh, and, you know, we're all kind of giggling. And Georgia just came out and 
boom, 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 move down the field, touchdown. So, uh, you know, I, I think I think looking at the Bulldogs, they they've got a lot, a lot of talent on that team. It's very young. Uh, you know, Tony Eason, I'm not Tony, Jacob Eason, uh, Isaac Nada, the tight end, who decommitted from Florida State, decided to stay home and go to Georgia. He had a big game. McKenzie had a big game. I mean, the Georgia team's going to get better throughout the year, y'all. They really are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they are. But yeah, just like you said, Tennessee, you got to give you, take your hat off, tip it to them, because you know what? When you get down 17 to nothing on the road, it's easy to quit. You know, Georgia did the same thing two weeks ago against Ole Miss last weekend. They they get down and it's fold at 10. You know, and that's what, what bothers me the most is people talking about how lucky they were. And, Jonathan, I'm using your phone a minute to see if it's your phone or mine and it's your phone. So can you check your connection real quick? And uh, while I talk about this game, Tennessee, you know, there's something about it. I remember Auburn in 2010 and 13, they had a couple of those games like that where they had to come from behind and, and quote, quote, unquote, lucky, you know. I mean, I don't think it was luck. I think it's, it's believing you can win. And Georgia, and I don't understand how how everybody's giving them love in the polls, Jonathan, and, you know, they, they're still ranked in the coaches' poll. Do you? I mean, who have they beaten? That's why I want to know. And I, I look at Auburn, and, you know, they've beaten LSU. You know, they've taken care of business. They're three and two. But, yet Georgia's ranked in Florida. Florida's ranked, went up to 19th after a piss-poor performance over Vanderbilt and barely won, barely survived. But, yet they go up in the polls like that. Does that make any sense to you? I'm starting to see what you talk about with SEC bias now a bit, which – I mean, the AP put Florida up to 18 and the coaches. I mean, is Florida the 18th best team in the country? I mean, I'm trying to – the reason I'm asking this in this order is I'm trying to see the strength of the East. Tennessee came back 21 on Florida, and I don't think Florida's that good. Georgia, to me, after getting beat by Ole Miss, we knew they was going to come back and play, but yet they're still ranked ahead of Auburn. LSU, the team that Auburn beat, with the same record as ranked ahead of Auburn. So I'm just trying to figure out these pollsters, Jonathan. I can't understand them too well. Yeah, I don't blame you. I, I really don't either. If you saw my poll this week, I had Florida at number 25. And as I discussed with Quinn, I seriously debated putting Troy uh, and Ole Miss in their spots. Um, and, you know, Ole Miss, two-loss team. But like I told you, I can't rank anybody that – Lost to FSU right now, uh, and then uh, you know Troy's only loss was that heartbreaker against Clemson. I'm like, you know, maybe that seems a little bit better than we uh, we anticipate. But anyways, uh, you're you're right though. Georgia as a two loss team, I don't believe should be ranked. There are three wins. They beat North well, Carolina. Well, they're not ranked. They're they're not. They barely split out of the poll, but they're still like it thirtieth. And and I I don't understand how you have Texas ranked ahead of Georgia. No way, hold on. Georgia moved out of the poll. At 26, you have Western Michigan, 27th, UCLA, mm-hmm. 28th, LSU, 29, North Dakota State, 30, Auburn, 31, Georgia. Um, okay. so, but the problem I have is how's LSU ranked ahead of Auburn right now? And they're, they're um, both three and two. Auburn beat them. And, uh, and I'm not saying Auburn's better than LSU. I mean, 
I mean, they beat them, but, yeah, that was at home. But I just don't understand the pollsters that could jump up a Florida team that looks like dog crap. I mean, they look like – I mean, they are terrible. And, yes, they played a good half against Tennessee. That's their game they get up for every year right now. And then they play Florida State at the end. And they haven't beaten Kentucky, okay? They they beat Kentucky. They got their eyes beat in by Tennessee. They almost lose to Vandy, but yet they're 18th in the country right now. I mean, Jesus, I just don't get it. That's why I'm confused. But I look at the polls, mm-hmm. and I sit here, I see Louisville fall all the way to that. Hell, I was a mob fan last night. Just because a team loses a football game does not mean you drop them down big. I mean, they looked like dog fish yesterday, and they're for fourth. Uh, Ohio State hasn't played anybody but a – but uh, FCS schools, they're number two. But after what last night's game shot, to me, Louisville's going to be in the playoffs. They may not win the ACC, but name me somebody on that schedule that can beat Louisville. And if they come in 11-1 at the end of the year, we're about to talk about that game because it's important. If you have an undefeated Clemson or, or a, a 12-1 Clemson in the ACC and an 11-1 Louisville team, they're going, aren't they? There's no way you can leave Louisville out, especially if they beat Houston at the end of the season, which I think they will. Um, Louisville's a dangerous team, man. I know you got your school beat in by and then I know it was embarrassing. You shouldn't have lost by that much, but that's the best player in America they have on their team taking the snaps. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, Louisville's obviously a, a really good team. They're a well-oiled machine. Uh, we saw last night them get down. Uh, sizable margin right for halftime, and they came back and wound up taking an eight-point lead, you know. Um, so, you know, I got a lot of respect for Louisville. I dropped them to seven in uh, in my rankings. That's just because if you look at the six teams I have ahead of them, I don't think anybody could argue those are six damn good teams and they're all undefeated. Uh, yeah, I mean, if Louisville's 11-1, um, it's going to be hard to keep them out of the playoffs. You know, you would need – uh, you know, obviously the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC champ, and then uh, probably uh, an undefeated Washington or an undefeated Baylor. And I don't really care what the argument is uh, for or against Baylor. If Baylor's undefeated, they're in the damn playoffs. We have to just, just yeah, everybody accept going, that. Washington's not going undefeated and Baylor's not. Let's, let's put a scenario up. Say, say uh, Tennessee's uh, – Eleven and one, they play eleven and one in the ACC champion, right? And stay on beat. Tennessee is not going to the playoff right there; they're done. Alabama goes in. Uh, Ohio State wins the Big Ten. Just say that Michigan's got a loss. Michigan's not going. Uh, Pac-12 is not going. Washington loses. Baylor gets beat. The Big 12's a mess. That leaves Louisville sitting here that beat Houston. Remember, Houston's going to be undefeated when they play into the season. Louisville and Houston, that should be a top five matchup. Because Louisville, I'm telling you, I, yeah, I want to see that playoff because I really don't think there's a team in college football right now in a neutral territory could be this team. I'm telling you, that's how good they are. That's how explosive they are. Did that game get on a neutral field last night? Um, Clemson would have lost. And lost big, bigly, as Donald Trump said. Um, but I just don't think in a neutral field you can beat them. Ohio State, 
wiped up. Alabama would get wiped up by Louisville. And I'm not saying that just to hear myself talk. I came away more impressed with Louisville last night than anybody that I saw play yesterday. Clemson, hats off to them. They played one hell of a game. And they almost lost it, but, they, again, you find a way to win at home. That's what they did. I know they were an underdog, and thank God they didn't because I've got to see you guys something here. I, I told you, Jonathan, but you know, I've been giving these picks away for free on this on this site here. I, I maybe shouldn't do that anymore, but the two I sent you earlier in the week, the parlays, I, I decided, you know what, I'm going to do six more. Let's just do six more parlays before we. I'm going to brag on myself a little bit, if that's okay with you, before we get into these games because. Oh no, no, no! After what right you now. did, go ahead. I'm gonna. I'm logging in so I can tell you the games ahead, um, and then tell you how close I was from from being a rich man last night. I won a lot of money last night. I'm not gonna lie to you; it was a lot. But had I won um, the game, had Michigan won, Jonathan? Oh my God! Okay, the games I gave you, I showed you two parlays, and on this parlay, I lost. I lost. I had Washington. Michigan minus ten and a half, Tennessee, Oklahoma, and Clemson. Okay, so lost that one. Michigan lost. Vanderbilt, Florida State, South Carolina, LSU, Washington State, four out of five again. So here I am, over to, but I put these in on nine twenty-eight. What was that? Wednesday night, and then. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, Thursday night after the show, and then Saturday morning. Okay, so here, here was the one I lost real quick. It, it just, it was gut wrenching. Michigan minus ten and a half, lost that one. Game one, Oklahoma minus three and a half, LSU minus thirteen and a half, Clemson plus two, Southern Cal minus ten. Lost a heartbreaker there, four out of five. And here's another one I lost. Michigan minus eleven, Oklahoma minus three and a half, California minus two and a half. Indiana plus plus seven and USC minus ten and a half, four out of five. Now here's where it gets fun. I hit the deep four five team parlays. Tennessee money line, Oklahoma money line, Clemson money line, Indiana money line is a seven point dog, and Washington State money line. That paid five fifty seven fifty. The second parlay. Penn State money line, Tennessee money line, Oklahoma money line, Indiana money line. And USC minus 10. Okay, that's a big one, too. Now here's the good ones. Here's another two good ones. Eastern Michigan plus two and a half, one outright. Troy minus 15. They won that with ease. South Florida minus seven, one with ease. Indiana plus six. And UCLA minus 13 and a half, 500. Last parlay of the night, Kentucky plus 36 against Bama, LSU minus 12 and a half against Missouri, Clemson and a, Clemson and a pick, Indiana plus five and a half, and USC minus nine for 500. So that's, that's two grand last night. Boom. But just think, had, had Michigan won, Jonathan, I'd be a pretty rich man right now, wouldn't I? Oh, yeah. I mean, if Michigan – if Jordan Lewis doesn't make that insane one-handed check and they take over at the 10-yard line, they punch it in for a touchdown, and you get that cover. Or the three field goals that were missed. The two field goals, whatever it was. But, yeah. hey, I'm not complaining. Right right now, you know, with, you know, last week I had a parlay. If you remember the last remember last week when I gave you that parlay, I gave everybody. Yeah. I'm going to go back to it real quick. 
real quick just so I can refresh people's memory because I need people to understand these are hard to hit. That's what people don't understand. Jonathan can tell you that because he does them too. But I hit last week Wisconsin plus five against Michigan State, Ole Miss minus seven against Georgia, Florida State minus six. Who did y'all play again? Uh, USF. Okay, got that one. Tennessee minus six and a half against Florida and Auburn plus three and a half against LSU. So I gave y'all that parlay and I hit it, right? And so the next the next day it all came apart for me again, the NFL, which is about the other night. If you mm-hmm. if you're good in college, you stay away. And guess what I did today, Jonathan? I stayed away. Oh, you stayed friend. away. Mm-hmm. I stayed away because I did a little dabbling. So to get a paycheck like this is huge. And and uh, but you know when you got a parlay going like I had, and you've got Indiana in action right now, missing a field goal in overtime, and then they get a flag to win, and and Washington State blows out Oregon. And Jason's going to be on to talk about that one. It just feels good. USC, my lock of the year, I came out with that night. I mean, USC was a strong pick. As you can see through my parlays, I like mm-hmm. Tennessee a lot. Clemson, Indiana, I mean, USC. I mean, <laughs> you got a little lucky in these parlays is what I'm saying. But I've never done eight in a five-team parlays, I don't think. And I've never hit more than two ever. Ever hit more than two parlays in a day. I was close to hitting seven of them. Seven. Imagine if I had seven out of eight five-team pars, and I would be in Vegas right now working. But uh, but before we get going, I just wanted to I had to brag on myself a little bit because the Carolina Panthers got their head beat in the day. Cam Newton fake injured and went back to the locker room. Um, but anyway, I want to bring Jason on real quick since uh, you know Jason that week. Jason Jonathan is not trying to tell you the health wasn't the man for the job anymore, but uh hey, do you have a radio or something on the background? Yeah, I'm I'm here. I I moved up at the um T V so um should be able to thank you, but well last night, man, Oregon Ducks, they got you know, are you feeling good about health for today compared to Thursday night? Or are you ready to see oh. Oregon they're going in the wrong direction right now, my friend. Yes, uh, Oregon is in the wrong this uh, direction. Um, yes, I, I know I um, posted late third quarter and wondered if it's gone, but I, I thought about it. And you, you look at this team; that most of the veterans on this team are down with injuries. Um, Tell Crosby, um, Devin Allen, um, we lost Dwayne at Stanford, John Riggins, the um, only senior on that defense. Um, they're all going to pull um, senior. Jason, they, I'm having trouble um, hearing you, man. I don't know if we have a bad connection, but let's bring you back in a minute. I'm, I'm going to see what we can do. But, Dawson, that sounds like a bunch of excuses to me. I mean, shit, that sounds just like a bunch of excuses. So, Jason, rethink your strategy of what you're thinking about saying right now. But, Jonathan, that sounds like excuses to me. Uh, you got your ass whipped again, gave up 50 points. What do you think? Am I being too hard on Jason right now? Well, I mean, they've lost to Washington State two years in a row. You lose to Colorado, and I get it. Colorado's a good team, but Oregon shouldn't lose to Colorado and Washington State. But let's be honest. 
so, I mean, this team's going in the wrong direction. And I think uh, it, it has a lot to do with coaching and uh, recruiting. Yeah. And, and Jason, last night your truth was there. And I know I said you'll feel different, but you were right. Let's see if we can hear him now. Jason, you were right when you said fire Helfrich and let's move on and get somebody in there that can do it. Ever since Chip Kelly's gone, this guy's gone straight down the crapper. And uh, I'm telling you from experience, if you don't change coaches, you're going to be doing the same thing next year, and you're going to be as pissed off next year. But the thing is, while you're not recruiting UCLA, Washington now, USC, Arizona State, Mm -hmm. all these other teams, or Stanford are recruiting better than you, if you don't make a home run higher now, you may not have a chance. I think it's time for Oregon to get on the phone and ask Art Bryles would he like to come to Oregon and coach because – that's the move right now that would make Oregon scary again in football. Right now, nobody's afraid of them. Nobody's afraid of Oregon anymore. They've, they, they, they've lost their swagger. So so tell me what you're going to do to fix this. Can they fix it this year? Is it something that they're just going to have to work on in the off season? Um, I would have said something that you look on during the off season. Um, there's, there's no really cure. Um, if they fire Halfords, then the season um, it probably will be after the Washington game. We do have a bye week. Um, I I look at this roster and it is a young roster. Um, you, you let Mark Elfrich finish off the season and he goes in this season with his um, seat harder than biscuits. Um, but I will say this: if he wins. If he brings in another FCS quarterback, I'm going to lose my mind because we have a good backup quarterback. And I, I know I'm from experience. So, um, yeah, yeah. But the thing, the thing, the problem I have, it's not your quarterback as much as you're, you're giving up 280 yards on the ground and six touchdowns in Washington. Washington State's not known for their – with the rushing attack, mm-hmm. it's, it's more of a hair attack. But they, they just threw the ball all over the place. But, Jason, I appreciate you joining us, my friend. And uh, you got to play Washington next week. So make sure you call in and discuss that game with us. But, but Jason, Jonathan, it just solidifies to me even more that Oregon is in desperate need of a leadership change there. They're not going to be able to out-recruit these other schools with Elfers there. Can't get the quarterback in dynamic to that offense, and right now you're going to the FCS quarterbacks. You're not winning championships, I believe. So I just think it. He's been exposed, and like you said, Colorado should never work. Washington is 306 touchdowns on the ground. Yeah, that's what concerns me the most. Just like quarterback, as much as it is, just the softness of the entire team. Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely think that there is an issue. Uh, Washington State, I, I don't even know the last time they ran for 100 yards on a uh, Pac-12 school. To be, I mean, I remember watching them try, pretend to run against Boise State. And for them to have as many yards as they did against Oregon, it's just downright embarrassing. And three for 371. It's, you know, they, they, they thought Brady Hope would fix this defense. Why did they think Brady Hoke would fix this defense? Brady Hoke, I mean, he was a good coach at, at, in a group of five. There's no doubt about that. But he can, he can he lost his touch from somehow. 
Uh, and I think I think Oregon needs a new defensive coordinator. There's no doubt about that. Um, I'm with Jason. Let Helper pop the year if you need to be. However the school needs to play that yeah. out. Maybe the buyout tie, I'm not sure. But you need a new staff under him. And I, I honestly, I think the conversation that Oregon needs to have with, with Helper is either we need a new staff or you're gone. I, I think that bottom line, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but here's, so here's a quote from Helfish in this game, Jonathan, that concerned me a little bit. He said after the game, he said almost every play they call was a pass and they checked to a run. That balance was very difficult for us to stop. Well, if they're doing it every time, then adjust to it, for God's sake. And like your Brady Hope mentioned here, I mean, this guy has no clue. He can eat a damn sandwich with the best of them, okay? You throw a triple whopper. Quinn, I see you in the queue. I'm about to bring you on, buddy. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, seriously, I'm just so frustrated because I like Oregon. I wanted Jason to be happy last night. I wanted him to feel good about his team. I wanted him to be right. He could be wrong, honestly. That's what I really wanted more than anything. Um, but, I mean, geez, it's just terrible. When you lose in this fashion, you give out 36 first downs to Washington State, Jonathan. 36 first downs in a game. They were 7 of 12 on third down, Washington State was. 1 and 2 of fourth down. But they ran 88 plays year 64. Outgained you by 250 yards, outrushed you, which is hard to do without Robert Morgan. Um, or 235 kickoff return yards. Imagine how bad game would have been. That's the, that's the thing. You look at penalties, Oregon very disciplined, and Washington State very disciplined. But 40 minutes of time possession to 20 for Oregon, that says it all to me. That shows ball control. That shows clock management. That shows Washington State doing what they wanted to. 36 first downs in 40 minutes time of possession. 88 plays means ass whipping. That's what it means. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a game in a game like this, because you know Oregon's going to say well, we don't really care about time possession too much, and I understand that. It, it's kind of like Baylor and a lot of these more up tempo schools where time possession isn't the end all be all. But when you're playing Washington State where time possession is in the end-all, be-all as well, you should at least be 50-50. I mean, if it's 20-40, we need big explosive plays. You know, but the the problem was their time possession was low because they were having to throw the ball, and they were having to throw the ball because their defense couldn't stop nobody. You know, and, and I'm with them. I, I, I agree. I think that the fact that they keep having to go and get grad transfers at quarterbacks now is not good. And that tells me you can't develop one on your own. You're not You're not able to recruit one. Uh, and, and that that obviously is is a huge issue, uh, but at the same point in time, we still, we look at Ole Miss. Ole Miss has gone the JUCO route for quarterbacks with Bo Wallace and Chad Kelly, and that program's going uphill. So I mean, we, we you know Oregon. I, I really think that at the end of the day, the whole coaching staff is at fault for this. I, I you know so you know there, there comes a point in time where you blame the players, and trust me, we'll get to that with some of these teams, but. With Oregon, I'm not blaming players anymore. I'm blaming coach, the coaching staff for putting their players in a position to not win the game. Yeah. and I mean, coaches are accountable. I talked about that on a post with you. I think we blame the coaches too many times. But in Oregon situation, this is not a player problem. This is a, a system problem. This is a Mike Helfrich problem. 
or Mark? Is it Mark or Mike? Mark, help us, right? Mark. Yeah, Mark. Uh, I'm sorry. But, I mean, when you get beat like that, I mean, that's just piss-poor embarrassment of Oregon. Oregon's 2-3 and three right now. They haven't won a conference game yet. And that it just reminds me of – and the reason I'm speaking so confidently about what I'm doing is, hell, I've lived that several times with Auburn here, Jason. That's that's what happens. I see it. I mean, you can't get a quarterback and develop them. You go the JUCO route to get them. Well, now you're JUCO. You're not letting him play any should. And it's just a mess. And right now the only way out of it is to get rid of that head coach you got, get Art Bryles, because if you don't get Bryles, it's over with. And we spent a lot of time on the Oregon Ducks because Jason devotes time to come to this show every time. And uh, another game in the Pac-12, Washington 44-6 to over Stanford. Now I said Washington by ten in this game. I was I was right about that. Oh, I should have said over ten, but they beat the piss out of them. And Washington opened people's eyes up the other night. That Stanford's a little bit overrated, of course, but Washington's a lot better than people are giving them credit for. And I think Jonathan, you're the one that's given Washington credit from the preseason up until now. Here they are, five and zero, and they're a serious contender for for the Pac-12 championship as well as a an opportunity to play in the Final Four. Yeah, I've been on Washington from the jump. Uh, what we've noticed with good coaches is that they tend to win in years three, four, five. Uh, Les Miles won his championship, but I believe that was year three. Uh, Jimbo yeah, won his in year. Well, Jim, yeah, but yeah, I mean, don't <laughs> don't even no, don't. Mm, mm, it won average ten wins a year. So uh, J- Jimbo won his championship from what year four. Uh, you know, so I, I think uh, there is something to that. You know, Nick Saban was, what, year four? Nick Saban's the only one out of the current active coaches that won a championship after year five with the program. And that just tells you how yeah. Nick Saban is clear in the clear cut. But anyways, getting back to Washington, they returned a lot of talent. This was a defense that I loved. And every, a lot of people are saying it, and I agree with them. This could possibly be the best secondary in all of college football. They had a five-star recruit quarterback who played almost the entire season last year and looked good. They have talent everywhere on offense. I mean, this is a team that, you know, I looked at before the year and said they may lose one game. And that, that was kind of why I maxed them at was one loss. You know, I, I honestly believe this is a team that could run the table. No doubt about that. This is a very, very good Washington team. Their schedule sets up actually really nice. Um, yeah, they have to go to Oregon this week, and they're going to have a back-to-back where they have to go to Utah and to Cal. But I think that they're just the best team in that conference right now. And I, I thought Stanford was the second best, and that game wasn't even close. Well, beating Stanford like you did, kind of if you do lose, just say they lose a game at Utah, Cal, close one, and they win the Pac-12. Beating Stanford by 38 points is a way to open people's eyes up to forgive you a little bit. And uh, I think it separates Washington up in the Pac-12. And now at week five, everybody's looking at Washington as the best team in the Pac-12. There's no more uh, cluster, you know, and everybody, who's the best? We don't know. Well, we do know Washington is the cream of the crop in the Pac-12. And I think that's going to help them, people determining them, determining that, Jonathan, now instead of in week eight or nine or ten. Um, Quinn, what do you think about it? You, you said I'm a Stanford hater. Well, do you see why now? <laughs> <laughs> well, Washington is a lot better than I than I thought they were. They they have a very good defense. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I looked at their schedule after that game, and it, it looks really nice. I really don't see them losing the game just because in the Pac-12 there's a lot of average teams, and I, and I don't think there's a team on uh, on Washington's level. I wouldn't be shocked if they run through the rest of the Pac-12 schedule, honestly. Hey, what, what, if, what if Oregon upset them next week? It could happen, but I doubt it will happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, there's better yeah. teams in the conference play, guys. And, and I've said it for years. When you get a conference play, there's not too many gimmies, really, unless you're playing Vanderbilt or Kentucky or something like that. Uh, those are pretty much games, but these conference games, John, they're tough, man. They're just they're tough, and, and it's just you, you look at them and you you think, okay, well this team's so much better. Well, guess what? That team beat you every year. They play you every year, and uh, so I'm excited to see how Washington plays now as a hunted because now they are the best team in the Pac-12, and that's a role they're familiar with. So, Jonathan, I, I ask you this. They have the coach that's kind of dealt with this in the past. How beneficial is that going to be? We know Peterson. He's had to do that at Boise, play with that pressure of winning every game. And I think that's going to help them in the long run. Oh, I agree. I mean, this is still a Washington team that has lost the last 12 to Oregon. They're in the same boat as Tennessee uh, is with was with Florida and is with Alabama to where these rivalries have been really one sided. Uh, so I, I think you know to to be completely honest, I I think Washington has to beat Oregon, but that game's no gimme. It's going to be a tough one. Before the year, I said uh, that was probably the game that they're most likely going to lose because it's in Austin Stadium. You've lost twelve in a row. You know you beat Stanford. Now it's the pressure of putting that to you know together back to back two really good weeks. But you're right, Peterson's had a lot of experience with this at Boise State. Uh, obviously, we saw how his Boise State team sometimes didn't finish the deal, um, you know, mainly that, that yep. loss against Nevada where the kicker shanked it. You know, and I just honestly looking at this, though, this Washington team, uh, I, I think they have an advantage because Oregon is in such a tailspin. And, you know, they win this game and the momentum rolls. And then they and I, this team already believes that they're good. And that's the one thing I did see in that Stanford game was they didn't get up 13 nothing and go, okay, cool, we're here. They got up 13 nothing and said, yeah, no, we should be up more. And that was what impressed me more than anything about that team. They believed that they belonged. Yeah, but just to tell you real quick, um, the line opened up Washington, eight-point favorite in Oregon, eight-and-a-half points. It's down to eight now. It got up to nine-and-a-half and come down, but – I think Jonathan makes a good point about the tailspin Oregon's in right now, Quinn. Um, yeah. Right now, if you're Oregon, you have to be just wondering who you are, and you're not used to this role. But you could erase all doubts and kind of get it back in the direction where you make a respectable bowl game if you're Oregon, if you knock off Washington right now. And it's hard to win in Oregon. I don't care who you are. And Colorado is better than what people thought as well. Jason made a good point last week. But any, I think they have a chance to beat them, but it's going to take a great coach, and that's where I don't think they have right now. Yeah, where I think they, where I think the problem is, 
is on the line, Washington bullied Stanford, Stanford around, and Stanford doesn't get bullied around like that. And that's what exactly. that's where I think that's where I think Oregon's going to get massacred is on the offensive defensive line and are just going to get bullied around, and that's why I don't think Oregon really has a chance. Yeah, and it's like next week Stanford plays. You know they they're used to being the bully. Well, they're a, 11, a twelve point favorite over Washington State. Well, imagine how Stanford's going to respond to that beatdown they took like that. They're going to be pissed off. And I think they're going to take it out. It's all about matchups. College football is. You can forget what happened last week. You can forget what happened two weeks ago. Look at the matchup. There's there's matchup discrepancies in every game. The good coaches find those matchups and can exploit those matchups. And I think Stanford's a good football team. I think they run into a buzzsaw Friday night. And once you get into a buzzsaw, Jonathan, and you're a one-dimensional team like Stanford is. Really, they run to open up play-action pass, you get behind four touchdowns, your play-action doesn't mean anything anymore, and now you turn into a team that, that doesn't fit your identity. I think Washington, the way they beat Stanford by 38, it doesn't mean Stanford sucks. It just means Washington beat them at their own game, really. It took them out of their identity. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, looking at it for Stanford, obviously at quarterback, they're they're having some questions now. And I, I think it will be a competition between Burns and Chris this week. We're probably going to see both of them begin against Washington State like we saw against Washington. Uh, McCaffrey got bottled up. And it's amazing. Christian McCaffrey has yet to score a touchdown in a road game. That, that, that's a stat that blows my mind. And he actually, uh, Dalvin Cook's passed him in, in all-purpose yards, at least offensively. Um, so, you know, lo- looking at Stanford, you're hoping you get a Wusu back, their best receiver, who was out with concussion. Um, your top two corners were out against Washington, and it showed. And Washington went after that. And, it, you know, hopefully you can get them back for next week. But, you know, the, the problem is Stanford lost three very important players, and they really didn't have any schemes to kind of fix that. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how the injuries work out, if they can come back from this. But I'm with you. You know, I think they're going to be angry. And, they're, you know, I think they can out-physical Washington State. But 12, you know, I mean, obviously it's a lot of points. Well, let's, let's flip over to the ACC real quick. And, and Johnson, I know you're a Florida State fan. It hurts, but the world, what are they doing? Losing at home. North Carolina. After the last few weeks in Tennessee, you'd think they'd learn the same thing, too. The Florida State gets out to these slow starts. They're down 21-7 half. They make a storm back to take lead by one to get up a, a field goal. Is And my question to you is, Florida State done, number one. Are they going to quit? Number two, what are the which coaches are going to stand up and take responsibility for this as well? And I was coach players when you when I say coaches, you have five stars all over that. The coaches bear some of the burden, but this is on the players too when you get whipped like that. So, how far state the mindset they're in, their dogs to Miami. If they start this season three and three, I, I don't know how much patience people are going to have with Jimbo Fisher right now because you're supposed to this. Last year was your rebuilding year. You won our games. Now that for this, it just concerns me if I'm a Florida State fan right now. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I said a lot of things uh, yesterday, and uh, I stand by a lot of my comments. Uh, let me let me start with this. We we it's funny. Florida State didn't start slow. Actually, offensively, we outplayed North Carolina. We missed what two field goals and had one blocked. I mean, come on, really? You know, uh, we had fourth and about five feet. And Jimbo's like, nah, I kicked the field goal. And they're like, well, no, no, go for it. Go, go for it, right? So we're on the 28. Go for it. If, he, if, if we kick the field goal and he misses, okay, you know, they get the ball to 30. If we go for it and don't get it, they get the ball to 20. I mean, we're deep enough in their zone where I don't think it matters. Uh, and, and Jimbo, time and time again, when it comes to fourth down decision-making, is way too conservative. Um, he didn't use Francois' legs until the second half, which bothers me, and it bothers a lot of fan base. So you finally have a true mobile quarterback, and we don't use him right. And then we have no read up. You have DeAndre Francois, who has shown that he's mobile, and he can be real dangerous on the fl- when he's running. And you have Dalvin Cook, who is, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say, it, best running back in college football, and we don't run any read option. There's no threat. Nobody there is not a single team that is concerned about Francois running. He he's not even scrambling right now, which bothers me. Um, you know, I mean and then that that defense. Okay, so Travis Rudolph dropped a touchdown pass in the first half. Okay, so I, I Rudolph had a huge drop there. That that's on him. We we all we all gonna call it there. The offensive line Damn, guys, Rick Trickett is supposed to be this offensive line mastermind. Yeah, we have more pre-snap penalties than I've seen out of any other team. That is poor coaching. That is poor. Obviously, the players, mentally, whatever it is, there's something wrong there. I'm going to look at Trickett and say, that's on you, dude. Your whole thing is that the offensive line, if the defense jumps offside, the offensive line doesn't move. Well, now the offensive line is moving for anybody's set. Like, that's a huge issue there. Defensively, Matthew Thomas is lost. Extremely talented kid, but he's lost out there. Um, Nate Andrews and Trey Marshall can't cover the middle of the field. Charles Kelly's an idiot. Ryan, Sw- I could have told you this. Ryan Switzer's their best weapon. You double him. We didn't double him, and we, we put a safety on him, and he's gonna burn him every time. Ryan Switzer's probably the best kept secret in college football. That boy is deadly. All right. So I saw terrible coaching. I saw terrible play yesterday from certain players in certain positions, and I'm done. I'm fed up. I tur- you asked Quinn. I turned the game off at 21. What was it? 21 nothing. I turned the game off. I kicked it back on to watch us lose like that. We left them 23 seconds. 23 seconds, guys. And you couldn't hold them to at least a Hail Mary. I could have accepted a Hail Mary. Okay? But to lose like <laughs> that is just downright disgusting. I'm embarrassed. There is no reason Florida State should lose with the talent they have on the field. We have some dumb players. We have some players who don't try hard, and we have some dumb coaches who don't think. And that bothers me. I want to see Trickett gone. I want to see Lawrence Dossi, our receivers coach, gone. I want to see Charles Kelly gone. And I'll tell you what I said to everybody else. If LSU called Jimbo and said, you can be the head coach, and he said yes, I'd say bye. I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about it no more. I'm not. I already got a list of coaches I want. I mean, 120 yards of penalties 
I mean, that's a lot of penalties, man. And a lot of those, like you said, those offensive snap penalties and fractions. But, I mean, you know, after your victory against Ole Miss, did you ever think when you played Miami you'd be a three-and-a-half-point underdog, honestly? Did you ever think it would come to that? No, I mean, we haven't been dogs to Miami since I want to say it was 2010. We we, we just drugged them through the mud that year. Uh, but, I, I mean, after we beat Ole Miss, my expectations rose. They did. You know, obviously I had us winning the title for the year, and there's, you know, a little bit of Florida State bias in that, of course. But there was a belief that yeah. when you put that many four- and five-stars on the field, you should be at, at there at the end of the season. You should be. Alabama. Florida State, LSU, Ohio State, schools who are recruiting top five every year should be in the final running every year. The fact that we're yeah. out of it and we and we we hit October and we're gone, we're done. I mean that eats <laughs> at me really, really fast, you know. And, and the, it, it just blows my mind the ineptitude of this team right now. If we had lost to Ole Miss, this loss to North Carolina wouldn't have hurt as bad. Because this would have been our third loss, and I've been like, all right, cool, you know, we're done. Yeah, that's it. But the fact that we still had a shot, and I believe we still had a shot, is what eats at me more than anything. And and I'll tell you this much right now. Ole Miss has got to be kicking themselves that they lost to us. They've got to be. We had no business winning that game from what I saw. We made a nice comeback against North Carolina, but it shouldn't have been a comeback. Florida State should have won that game. 44 to 30 uh, to 34. They should have. And, you know, I'm 90% this week about and everything I've picked, and I was big, you know, that early I was big on Florida State laying 11 points. So if I'm laying 11, I feel pretty good about it. I feel pretty good that, that Florida State's going to go in there and shred North Carolina, run the ball down their throat with the best player, one of them in the country. And that damn defense, it just killed me. And speaking of defenses, Quinn's if you're on the phone. You know, Notre Dame, I know you got to win 50 to 33. And we'll come back to Florida State, too, Jonathan. I just had to let you vent a little bit and get you, get you, get that off your chest. We, we want you healthy here a long time at Williams Sports. We don't want you, you know, jumping <laughs> off some bridge or something or running into traffic. But Quinn, I'm going to be honest with you. Notre Dame looked like trash yesterday to me on the defensive side of the ball. The offense looked great, man. The offense looks good. They've got two first-round All-American linemen. They're doing what they can do, 654 yards of offense against Syracuse on the road. But what are you going to do about that defense? Because Syracuse is not that good. No, but they – I will say this. The first half they definitely struggled. But the second half they actually made some adjustments at halftime defensively, which – Van Gorder never yeah, did. did. I I never saw adjustments, <laughs> and and they only gave up and they only gave up six points in the second half, which was a positive. And they True. and they got more True. and they got and they got more pressure than they ever did. And so and I think what also and I saw more energy, and that was a big thing this whole week that Kelly preached and it was about the team to have more fun and they just weren't having that much fun. So when I saw the defensive players, whenever they made a play, whenever they made a stop 
and made the and made Syracuse punt, they were excited, and I was glad to see the excitement. And then Coach Kelly was always there on the. He barely interacted with an offense, which he usually does, and he was over there with the defense. And so, I mean, granted, the first half was bad, but I I still saw some improvements, which I liked, yeah. and I hope and I hope they can well, just build on that. Well, think about this, and and Jonathan, your expectations for a national championship this year, Florida State was like the playoffs. Clemson was coming there. Even people talking about the playoff. I can accept Auburn being three and two right now. We preseason we weren't supposed to do anything, but when you come in with expectations like Florida State, Notre Dame, and teams like that, and it's October first, and your season's over, that that hurts bad, and and. And I understand that feeling, Jonathan. Last year, as an Auburn fan, come in with expectations, all of a sudden, you almost lose to Jacksonville State. You get routed by LSU, and everybody's starting to to take shots at you. It's a bad feeling, and it's time to evaluate. If you're Notre Dame, you're Florida State. You have too much talent. Jonathan, you talk about Florida State's talent. Notre Dame's a team that recruits with the best of them every year, too. Um there's, there's got to be, and again, just because you have all the talent doesn't mean that you win on the field every time. But I think Florida State Notre Dame's problem is they hired the wrong coordinators because what happens is when you're Florida State, you're losing coordinators left and right. When you're successful and teams like that, you're losing great coordinators and you have to replace them, Jonathan. And I think y'all's problem is you just got the wrong coordinators right now. You just need to, uh, to go out and really – Search. I think Jimbo got a little lazy with that, thinking that you know you success. You, you kind of rest on your laurels a little bit, and you don't really focus on that. But Jimbo needs to go back and reevaluate and say, we need this, this kind of coach. This is what kind of defense I want. This is what kind of offense I want. Now go do it. But I'm sorry, man, both of you, that your season's over. You know, right well, now, October. Well, you know, the pro- Jimbo's still calling the plays on the offense, and that's it's probably one of the reasons why I wouldn't mind if he left. Um, I want to say Dossie and Sanders are the co-offensive coordinators. I actually like Randy Sanders. I don't care for Lawrence Dossie. Um, it, it, it just it bothers me and it bothers a lot of the fan base that Jimbo fought so hard to keep Charles Kelly from going to Auburn fought so hard to keep him from going to Auburn. And this is what we're getting. When we could have easily just said, all right, well, Kelly's gone. Let's make some phone calls. And could have gotten a good defensive coordinator uh, like Todd Orlando in Houston. Or maybe even we could have had uh, Kevin Steele, who's had experience at Florida State before. You're you're Mm -hmm. one of your co-coordinators. Or uh, maybe even Dave Aranda, who's at LSU. You know, and th- those are just some of the things that just really, really eat yeah. at me. Um, they do. Yeah. Well, I mean, Gus said, you know, they after the Arkansas State game, they started talking about he was getting too stressed, he was overwhelmed, and it's because he was doing the play calling. Jimbo Fisher cannot be an effective head coach. I don't think anybody can be an effective head coach doing the play calling. You, you're a head coach. You're a CEO. You have to hire the right people to do that. You have to be a big picture kind of guy that looks at the morale of your team, 
looks at everything else. You can't be in there breaking down film all the time and running, setting up plays, scripting plays, and and doing all that. And I think Brian Kelly's got his hands in the cookie jar too with that. And and it seems like ever since Brett Lashley started calling plays for Auburn that it just seems a little – everybody's a little bit more relaxed a little bit and they're playing harder, having a little more fun. Jimbo cannot be successful, Jonathan. Uh, and win championships calling the plays. I, I just don't think he can. And I, I understand that, and that is something that, as a fan base, we've been trying to get away, uh, trying to hope he would get a real offensive coordinator. That's why uh, Coley, the offensive coordinator of Miami, that's actually why he went to Miami. He left Florida State was because they told him, you're an actual offensive coordinator here, whereas in Tallahassee, he just had the title. Um you know, it it, yeah. it 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 really it is it is what it is at this point. Um, I, I'm okay if he leaves, and I, I I didn't I wouldn't have said that after last year, but and this is the problem with the fan base for Florida State. 2013 looks a lot like '99. '99 we were wire to wire undefeated national champs. Came back in 2000, had a good year. Uh, obviously, that you know, we we lost the title. Reminds me a lot of 2014. Made the playoff, lost. It is what it is. This year looks like 2001. And for those that don't know, 2001 was a black mark and a half. That was when we had our oh crap moment. We lost to North Carolina 41 to nine that year. All right, that was a bad year in Tallahassee. And that is what this year is starting to look like. That's what it's starting to smell like. You, you were looking at, you know, and it's going to remind us of what we call the lost decade. And, you know, we were hoping we were going to go on a, you know, that late 80s to 2000 run of a dynasty, and it looks more like the 99 to 2010 run of, oh, cool, you won a title, and then you just fall off the face of the earth. Congratulations. And I, that just that scares me, and that scares the rest of the fan base. Yeah, and I thought Florida State would have a shot at beating Clemson, you know, and, and doing all that when the season started. That was going to be the ACC championship game, but it's not looking like that anymore. I, I don't think Florida State can beat Clemson right now. I don't care where it's being played. But, I mean, things can change in a few weeks if, if the adjustments are made. But let's move on to uh, before we get into the bigger games. Uh, oh, talk can about I, Auburn can I rant second. real quick? Yeah, go ahead, Beth. It's just about all yep. the teams that that Notre Dame has lost to so far. So Duke loses to Virginia. Like, I'm trying to figure out how Notre Dame lost to Duke, and then Duke goes and loses by two touchdowns. And then Michigan State goes and loses to uh, Indiana. Michigan State loses to and Wisconsin. Indiana. Yeah, and then you have Texas who loses to Cal and gets whipped by Oklahoma State. It's like what? It's like they play out in their minds when they play Notre Dame, and then they go and lay down the rest of the year. Or, or, or it could be well, Notre Dame's not that good. It's <laughs> cool, but but it's still like what the like Notre Dame would have beat the Duke that played Virginia. 
Well, remember, and, uh, you know, we, with te- with Texas, let's let's all remember Texas beat Notre Dame, and everybody's like, "Oh crap, Texas is back." And you know, I hated being Mister Negative there, but it's like, are we sure Texas is good? Because are we sure Notre Dame is good? You know, that was my whole thing with Texas was, yeah, they won that game, but they beat Oklahoma last year and won five. You know, and the, after the Oklahoma State game. I came away, you know, somebody was trying to tell me Cal was good. They're like, look how good Cal is. They beat Utah. And I go, are we sure Cal's good? Because Cal's got really no quality wins at this point. They lost to Arizona State by 10. I'm pretty certain in saying Arizona State ain't good. You know, they they beat Utah. Honestly, I'm not a believer that Utah's that good. So, you were looking at it, we're like, are we sure anybody's actually good right now? Because, I mean, obviously there's some teams. You know, and when I broke down my top 25, I, I put it in tiers. And if you're outside tier four, I'm not sure you're good. You know, <laughs> once we get to the tier four teams, you know, like Colorado, I'm not sure you're good. You know, I mean, we are, Stanford and Arkansas and teams like that are right on that bubble where you're like, are you guys good? Are we sure you're good? Because we saw with Stanford, it's they kind of struggled. Early. Oh, I mean, it's, it's early, early, but at the same time, you we get a feel on certain teams. I mean, it's not too early to say Alabama, Ohio State, Texas A&M, Michigan, uh, uh, Wisconsin, and teams like that are good. There's no doubt that they're good. But there are other teams where you're looking at going, everybody said you were good. I'm going to call them liars now. Yeah, I'll tell you, let's look at Auburn, and they lost to Clemson by six, and five and oh, three in the country. They lost, uh, it was a close game in in the top eight, so they're number, eight, number seven, is both. And Auburn didn't balance shooting pretty scrappy, beat a hell out of two teams that they were supposed to beat, but really beat them real bad. And what I love based off their resume and what Auburn's a, an above-average team that's got to get rolling. But I can tell you right now, it's not as bad as people thought. You know, they're not as, you know, maybe the team can play as well, but after five games, I can tell you this about Auburn, is they're good enough to beat the middle class of the SEC. I mean, they can beat them. They can beat the, the Louisiana Monroe and Arkansas State. But what they're not good enough is to beat the the old misses on the road. They're not good enough to beat Alabama on the road. I'm not sure they're good enough to beat Georgia on the road, but I'm sure enough to know they can win seven or eight ball games with Sean White, maybe seven. But with Franklin in the game, and I don't know if y'all watched him yesterday because your teams were playing other ones, but I don't know when. John Franklin came in the game yesterday in the third quarter on his own 20-yard line and took it to the house. Jonathan, I don't think you saw it. Took it to the house, and when he got to the end zone, there was nobody 30 yards around him. That's how this guy is. He comes in, he throws a 40-yard bomb with perfect touch, one-on-one coverage, and Auburn looks like a different team with him in the ball game. But I think Auburn can beat some of these teams, Jonathan, um, that we talked about that I said we couldn't beat in there. So my question to you is, he may be dumb. He may not know all the plays. I don't know. My God, he can run the football like there's nobody's business out there. And he is a quarterback, good athlete, I'd say. Is it time to bring John Franklin the third in? Because I don't think Sean White is going to go and beat Mississippi State this weekend without some help. 
You know, it, it, it's such a tough one for me because every time I watch Sean White in a in a big game, I come away going, "But he's not bad. I mean, he's not great. He's not going to win a you know win you a national championship, but he's not terrible." And I think the coaching staff's doing the same thing, where it's like he's not bad enough to where we feel we need to replace him, but he's not good enough where the conversation isn't there. And it all depends on whatever Franklin's grasp of the playbook is. If they feel he can grasp the playbook and he can make uh, the throws that they're going to require him to make, then I think you should put him in because of the dual threat uh, that he provides. But if if he still can't figure out the playbook and his arm, uh, he's still not trusting it, then I, I would say you got to leave Sean in there until until otherwise. Quinn, did you get a chance to watch John Franklin III's play in the second yeah. half yesterday? I, I watched the entire game. I had one game on TV and all there on my computer. So yeah, I watched. So am I missing something? Am I missing something with him, or, or do you think? And I know one move yesterday when they put Golson to center. He's been he was our center last year. That offensive line looked. They said he said Dampierre was hurt, but I'm telling you, Dampierre is is calling the wrong plays. He's blocking the wrong people. I went back and watched film and talked to a few people at Auburn, and he'll he'll call a certain play, and instead of pulling, he'll go the other way. He may be supposed to block the right tackle or do something. He'll be over there uh, blocking the left tackle. I mean, the guy is just not very bright at center. And to be a center in the SEC, you have to be very smart. That could have been a part of Sean White's problem, Quinn, is – having the wrong offensive line combo right there. But yesterday, Sean White looked a lot better to me. But, again, it's against Louisiana Monroe. What yeah. he hasn't shown me against A&M, Clemson, and uh, LSU, his ability to score touchdowns, that he moved the ball very well against LSU. What I suggest is, what I propose to this team is, on the road at Mississippi State, you start with Sean White and you let him be but what you have to do in certain situations, a couple of drugs games in Brooklyn, run the offense. And I'm telling you, I'm really in a conversation with season in there. But Sean White, I just don't think he does it enough right now. Tell me what you think real quick about Auburn before we move on to the big games. Yeah, I think uh, it's the same thing with Jonathan. Is what I what I thought when you said last week about bringing JF three in the red zone and the field gets a little smaller and having that quarterback run threat, I actually think is a really good idea. I think I think Sean should still play because I I feel he's playing pretty well, but but then yeah. I I also think that Auburn can put can play with a BAM or a Ole Miss on the road because of the fact of their defense. And I think if this offense can start scoring touchdowns in the red zone, th- this team can maybe get on a roll coming up here. If they can beat Miss State, they have a bye week, beat Arkansas at home, and then go to Ole Miss, I I think this team could get on a, road, on a roll. We'll see how they play at, at Miss State, though. I think you're right. I think you're. I think the key game of conference season is coming up Saturday. Uh, I think the lines already dropped a pick. They started out a one point underdog. It's dropping. I expect Auburn to be, actually Auburn is favored four and a half now. It didn't take long. Uh, if you watch Auburn's defense, like Quinn said, Jonathan, defense travels. 
and and that's why we count on here that defense. And one thing that I heard going on practice is they are really hitting the hell out of each other on Sundays. And I think Tuesdays is what they're doing. They're taking Mondays off. But they're playing physical and practice. is something they haven't done in the years past. And you can tell it on the field. I watched this defense that played Louisiana Monroe. In the years past, we could have given up 21, 24 points against this team, maybe even more, and would have put 50 or 60 on them. The difference, Jonathan, this defense is attacking people in their in their tackling, and they're physical. They're they're game tackling people. I like what I see, and if they get any kind of offense going in the red zone, like Quinn said, they figure it out like they were doing against LSU. You you have to watch out for Auburn seriously flipping up and actually competing with Bama at the end of the year. That Iron Bowl is not a a gimme anymore. That's a chance to knock Alabama out of the playoffs. That's how good this team can be. And if they beat Mississippi State this week and we get that bye week, watch out because that's when you can really bring bring Franklin in if you had to give him two weeks of nonstop preparation and get him ready for the back half of that schedule because I, I think Auburn's got a chance to be good. Am I crazy or, or what? Because I'll tell you the truth, if I think Auburn can win six games or ten, I'll be honest with you. I'm a fan. Don't get me wrong, but I can be honest and tell you that I think I see what Quinn sees is a special team here that, that if they get going in the right direction, which I think they will, watch out. Watch out. And Auburn's defense might be the best in the SEC. And I don't think that's no. Homer. I, I, no, they're not. No. They, okay, then they're I top five so. for sure. They're top. They're top five or top yeah. three. Yeah, top five in SEC. Jonathan, am I wrong? Or is Quinn right? He could be right. I'm pretty harsh on defenses. I'm maybe I'm overbearing with them, but I, I think Auburn's a top probably three or four defense in SEC. But I wouldn't say they're better than Bama. Well, I mean, I think Auburn's defense is better than in the SEC West. Uh, I mean, SEC East. Ooh. I think it's better than. Okay. Um, I think it's better than. Honestly, I think it's the baby between them and Alabama. For you know, Texas A and M, I'm still iffy on. Not gonna lie, so let's see on that defense. Um, I don't think they've really. Yeah, I don't think they've seen a true test, but I, I would say it comes down to them and probably Alabama uh, for the top defense. And Alabama could be in some trouble uh, with the Tim Williams arrest. Um, and, man, i, I got to say it. I watch Alabama, and I watch Clemson. And I'm going to tell you all right now, both of them are going to lose a game before this is all done. Both, I mean, obviously somebody's got to right. I think Bama loses three. I think Bama loses three this year. Well, and Bama's got a really tough stretch coming up uh, with with uh, Arkansas, Tennessee, and A and M. There's no doubt about it. And you know, Clemson, I know really their only game left, if you will, is Florida State. But I'm gonna tell you this much right now: they are uh, Clemson is definitely gonna lose a game. We're all gonna go. How they how they lose? And, and Alabama's gonna lose a game where we're gonna sit there and go, hmm, we should have seen this coming. We should have, but we didn't. Um, but I would say Auburn has a top ten defense nationally, no doubt about that in my mind. Wow. And I think that's well, what's more important. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Y'all may be right because 
when Auburn gave up yesterday, and remember, they had a 74-yard drive, I think, Louisiana Monroe did. They had a hell of a drive with their backups in before half. We held Louisiana Monroe to 251 yards. And they, and I don't care who you're playing. They're terrible. You hold anybody under who, Louisiana Monroe? Yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're they terrible. are. But I'm, but I'm talking about years. What I'm what I'm comparing it to is years past of Auburn's defenses. Last year, we'd have given up 400, 450 against Louisiana Monroe. Quinn, am I right? I mean, that's just the type of defense we played this year. Yeah, you're, we're giving up about 15 points a game, I think, and we're we held them to 251. We did the same thing to Arkansas State. And we're getting 700 yards of offense, so your defense is being out there a lot. Uh, and they're holding up to 251 yards. When I saw that stat yesterday, it did make me do a double take because I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty impressive when you can hold a team. And, and they suck offensively to 251 yards. Uh, I was very impressed with that defense yesterday, the way it didn't give up points. The pride is so big at Auburn right now on that defense. They don't want to give up any points. And they were pissed off that they gave up that touchdown. But you think about it, Clemson put up 19. You saw them put up about 40 last night. Um, A&M put up 29, and it was really uh, like that was one big play. They've been, yeah. And and we we couldn't move the ball. And LSU put up 13. So, I mean, this defense is allowing us chances to win. So that's a good point, Quinn. At the end of the year, our defense keeps us in these games. If our offense catches up with it, I mean, we've had two offensive games with 688 and 706 so far. So you can't suck on offense and get that many points or that many yards. I'm sorry. So once it gets put together, I think it's going to be awesome. you got Mississippi State on the road, bye. you got Arkansas, at Ole Miss, Vanderbilt to home, at Georgia, A&M, A&M at home and out Alabama. And this kind of has a feeling of 2013 to it a little bit, honestly, just a little bit. Yeah. I'm not saying that we're, we're going to win the national championship, guys, so please don't run out of here saying that. I said that. Yeah. Uh, I want to say one more thing. Or the national championship. Go ahead, bud, before we move on. And it feels good to have a good defense. I love it. I love how nasty they are. I love when the backups in are in and they're still playing really hard. I I just love the whole defense and the energy they have. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you one thing I love real quick before we go is on Johnson. I don't think there's a player in the SEC as tough as this guy is. I mean, he's tough as nails, guys. Johnson, you've watched him play. I mean, this guy's small in stature, but he is a damn beast when it comes to, to laying the wood on people. I mean, he's it's impressive. I mean, you know, you got to remember, we lost Javon Robinson right before the season started. So, that was a shot. If, if we had Javon Robinson on this team now with uh, with those guys, it would be pretty cool. But, hey, you know, Auburn, you beat Louisiana Monroe, you'll get my attention. And I think Auburn will be ranked, Jonathan, if they beat Mississippi State on the road this week and they're 4-2 and two heading into their bye week. Because two losses to A&M and Clemson, both of them just be undefeated after next week. So, you know, I think you'd have to put Auburn in the polls with that kind of performance. No, oh, yeah, I mean, definitely I, I understand that completely. It's a team that I'm keeping my eye on for uh, for, for obvious reasons, um, and it's mainly because 
I at this point I don't have a good defense that I can actually enjoy, so it's kind of nice to watch a good defense. Yeah, and and let's go to the NFL real quick. And have I told you I suck at picking these games? I'm so glad I didn't today. I would I probably go about two and twelve in the dang NFL. I suck so bad. I mean they, these games, there's no way I can predict them anymore. Done with the NFL until. It gets back to the rig nature of what I like it to be, so I can predict them that way. But I cannot pick an NFL. Look, Indianapolis, I was wrong. Okay, Washington, I was right. Buffalo, I was right. There's two and one. Jets, I was wrong. Two and two. Carolina, wrong. Two and three. Bears, I was wrong. Two and four. Houston, I was right. Three and four. Baltimore, I was wrong. Three and five. Tampa Bay, I was wrong. Three and six. San Francisco, I was wrong three and seven. You see where you see where I'm going with this? The Rams, I was wrong three and eight. I suck in the NFL, guys. So until I, until further notice, do not trust me when when I pick the NFL. I just want to throw that out there. Do not trust the words that are coming out of my mouth when I'm speaking on the NFL right now. But if you want some college locks, I'm your man. I'm your man. Well, let's go to the last night's game, guys. It was one for the ages. It did not disappoint. Louisville Clemson, forty-two to thirty-six. And and Quinn, we I've already heard Jonathan on this, but after I watched this game, you know I, I was proud to see Clemson win. A good football team there, but Louisville is a team to be reckoned with. I don't think they lose a game the rest of the season. I think Louisville ends up in the playoffs. I think the ACC is the best conference in football right now, and they're going to send two teams to the playoff this year. That's a bold prediction, but, yeah, I agree. Louisville, after after the first half, I felt like Louisville was going to come back. I thought they, they didn't look like they did in previous games, and I thought they were going to come back. And, yeah, they looked impressive. Lamar, Lamar Jackson is a is a great player. And He's the best I think for sure, college football right now. I'd agree with that. I think uh, for sure they'll uh, be in the mix, and I think I think they'll win out too. That game, that game at Houston, the last game of the season, will be tough, but I think they'll get by that. And then, yeah, yeah it's just waiting and seeing about uh, about pretty much Washington. I think the Big Twelve will eliminate themselves, and then I think it'll just come down to if Washington can mm-hmm. go undefeated or not. I think if so, Washington loses the game, then they're eliminated. I, I honestly so, think that. So, so I want to ask you this, Quinn. At the end of the year, Washington is a one-loss team that won the Pac-12. Baylor's a one-loss team that won the Big 12. Uh, Louisville sitting here just, get, just beat Houston. And the way they beat Florida State and went out, do you leave a champion out? Do you leave Baylor or Washington out and put Louisville in? I say yes. I say oh. as a committee member, I would. But what do you think, Gwen? Do you think the committee's got the stones to put in two teams from the same conference? Because I think if Louisville gets in that playoff, they will win. I don't care who's there. I don't think there's a team in the country that could beat them on a neutral field right now. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I think. Th- I think it's how impressive they are the rest of the season. If if they run through everyone else and Baylor and Washington have close games, then I think they put them in. I I think it's just going to depend on how uh, 
how how impressive they look the rest of the season. If I was Bobby Petrino, I I would tell their team to not let off the gas until the game's over. I mean, I mean, yeah. I would just try and run through every ten, every team they face now. Jonathan, I mean, Lamar Jackson, I mean, put up about 600 yards that the offense did on Clemson on the road at night. Uh, they got beat in the kicking game, kick return game. Clemson dominated that. They had 104 yards of penalties. But remember, they lost two fumbles in this game. They lost two fumbles. I mean, this is a team that is hard to stop. And if you're a committee member, Jonathan, at the end of the year, and Louisville's sitting here, the runner-up in the ACC, really, with one loss, would you put both of these teams in? Could you put two in the ACC and leave the Big 12 and, and the Pac-12 out? Because you got to remember, this, this ACC is pretty good. And, and that I think the Houston game is what's going to do it. You remember on being on TV that I think that's the week to, right before the the championships. Um, having that kind of stage against two top five teams, I think that would be enough to put them over the top, don't you? Because the Pac-12 would be playing somebody weak uh, over there in that other division, and the Big 12 doesn't have a championship game. So really, Louisville-Houston is sort of a Conference championship game, if you want, if you will. And if Louisville beats the hell out of Houston, like I think they will, I mean, what what, what is that going to do for Louisville if Houston's undefeated and Louisville beats them by three or four touchdowns? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if Louisville smokes Houston, obviously, I think that gives them a uh, a leg up in this conversation. Um, oh my, Cole Beasley. Uh, but uh, lo- looking at it. Who who Louisville played at the end of the year? We'd be looking at okay, you got a good one. You, you got a good win over Houston. You lost to Clemson. Other than that, I'm looking at their schedule going. You beat Florida State. You beat you beat Florida that, State by fifty when they were. That's not going to be a good win. That's not going to be a good win. Because it's a time. It's a, it's a time that happened though. It was. It was, You can't get that out of the minds of people right now. And and after watching them on national TV last night. I came away more impressed with Louisville after a loss than I would have probably if they'd have won just as impressed. And I think people not- will see the the way they came back down 18 and came back. Quinn, what were you going to uh, say? Jonathan, if Washington has one loss, and let's say Baylor has one loss, then you look at who they played. They don't really play a hard – they don't really play any anybody really tough either. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously that becomes the conversation. You know, I mean, if we're talking, uh, you know, a one-loss SEC team, whoever it is, at, you know, A&M, uh, Bama, or Tennessee, and we're talking Louisville at one loss, and we're talking, uh, you know, like, you know, at this point I think we're eliminating Houston, and, you know, maybe Michigan one loss. I mean, you really have to break down the schedules at this point. And at that at that point, I'm not certain Louisville would be put in. I think a one-loss conference champ might get the nod. Look, Louisville's look great. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I mean, they're with their game against Clemson, uh, they took advantage. They forced turnovers uh, when they needed to, and they turned them into points. That was huge. There's no you know no doubt that what they were able to do, especially in the third quarter, was incredibly impressive. But I, I just have a hard time at the end of the year looking at Louisville 
and really feeling all that jazz that as a one-loss team that they have a better shot than uh, than some of these other teams to get in. But don't, I mean, don't they scare you watching them when they when they're playing? Like I have so much confidence in that quarterback that I I still put him at the top of the Heisman right now. Uh, the way he's played, and if he, like Quinn says, if Petrino says, okay, guys, put the foot on the gas, do not let up, I think that's going to – when you're seeing 70 to 13s and things like that and that Houston game's waiting, because um, Houston beat Oklahoma, remember, and that's the only game they'll play all year until they play Louisville. But you're right, the resume isn't as good for Louisville if they do win out. If Florida State was good, we'd have a different discussion, right? If Florida State was playing a lot better, that that win would have meant more. But it still means a lot to me that they beat Florida State the way they did. I'm sorry. Because at the time, Florida State was a top-five team, I believe. And they were actually – Louisville was favored in that game, I believe. I'm trying to remember. But uh, anyway, that was a great game last night. The ACC did not disappoint. What a game. I mean, wow. Imagine having all that money riding on it, all the swings I had. Jonathan sitting there watching that back and forth with Clemson and Louisville. You think I was a little stressed at bedtime last night? Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I thought it was amazing, especially when Clemson went up 28 to 10. Uh, I'm sitting there going, you know, Clemson was an underdog when this, you know, when this game started. Yeah, like the public money heavily came in on Louisville, and I just kind of smiled and giggled. And Louisville's making that comeback, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh God, no! Come on now, Clemson." Because I was, I, I be honest, I was rooting for Clemson. Obviously, I loved them uh, plus the points. I loved them on the money line. That was really the reason. And I'm, I, I still hold a grudge against Louisville right now. Um, you know, so <laughs> like, I, I, you know, watching that game, I'm like, "What's going on, Clemson? What's happening?" And what we saw, though, was resilience. I mean, we saw Deshaun Watson essentially say, anything you can do, I can do better. You know, come get some, I got this. And and I thought that uh, Deshaun Watson put together a, a great performance last night. And a lot of people are saying, Lamar Jackson, oh, you might as well give him the Heisman already. I'll tell you what, he's going to put up some good numbers. But if Deshaun Watson keeps t- turns in a couple more performances like he did last night, it's going to be hard to keep his name off off that trophy. Because let's, let's not yeah. forget, Deshaun Watson is a great college quarterback right now. He is. And let me let me throw something in here about Vegas and picking these games. As, as Jonathan said, he liked Clemson. Um, I think in, in the first six weeks of the season, and Jonathan, correct me if I say anything wrong that you disagree with, um, Quinn, you don't touch these games, so don't worry about it. Vegas misses point spreads. Vegas misses them. They do. They miss them a little bit. And if you go in and study these point spreads and you look at matchups, you can gain an advantage. But in about probably a week or two, about eight weeks into the season, seven to eight weeks, Vegas has a choke lock on these point spreads by then. And it's going to be hard to beat them. And, Jonathan, my advice to people out there that looks at this, if Vegas has a line out there for the most part that looks crazy, go with Vegas. Don't try to beat Vegas once it gets to about week seven or eight. Wouldn't you agree with that? Kind of go with them. Don't go against them. I mean, I've always said that there's, there's you know, three uh, parts of a college football season. The first five weeks, you can take advantage of Vegas. 
You really can. Because, you know, there are going to be things where they uh, – they, they they put a lot of stock into a team. They they overreact. Uh, and then the next five is going to be, they're going to try and get their money back on you. And the last five is really to throw <laughs> it up because of the rivalry games. So, I mean, my only recommendation, and one of the games that I came away with really liking uh, before Saturday, and, I, and it, it hit, was UCF. And they were an underdog at East Carolina. And what I will tell people is, Look for lines in obscure games, and I mean obscure games, that have moved two-plus points. UCF went from like a six-and-a-half-point dog to a three-point dog. That, and I looked at that with UCF. And there's that much money yep. coming in on yep. them, and, and that small of a game, somebody knows something. And that that's what yep. you have to look for. And the bigger games – Lines are going to move. Lines aren't going to move. It just depends on what the betting public does. I mean, NFL-wise, Patriot lines are going to always be overinflated because everybody in Boston will bet the Patriots. There's no doubt about it. I'll tell what other fan base is. Same thing with Alabama on college football. But with some of these games, you look at it and you see the point swing, you have to go, hmm. You know, if the public money is heavy in Louisville like it was, go the other way. Oh, late? Are you kidding me? Look at Louisville. That line moved four points Saturday morning. Yeah, I'm talking about, like, I see it all the time. You'll see a team favor 10, and all of a sudden it's down to seven or something. Hey, you better jump on that seven by the half and take the points because, I mean, it doesn't happen every time. But, and again, like like Jonathan said, these are not – these are games like he was talking about, UCF and everything. I took, you know, like the other night, and I'll give you a perfect example. Um, remember the game I told you, Southern Cal and Arizona State? Southern Cal 1-3, and three, mm-hmm. Arizona State 4-0 and oh or whatever. Here's Southern Cal, a 1-3 team favored, 10.5, 11 points. That jumped out at me, and most people – Bet. I looked, it was like 80% took Arizona State money line uh, or took the points, plus they were taking the money line. That was a perfect opportunity to cash in. You don't see them much, but like Colorado, when it jumps from 16.5 to 19.5, or to 20 actually, jump on it. I mean, it's like you, you've got to go in the way of Vegas right here. And you, you see another one, North Carolina State Wake Forest went from 9 to 14. That's a five-point swing. You got to look at stuff like that. It means a lot when you're when you're taking games and like forget. I mean, you got to look at the opening line as well. You know, the opening line compared to if you see like like Mississippi State came out a point favored over Auburn and now it's moved two two or three points. You know, Auburn's about to put one on them, and it's because the, there's some people with heavy money. They bet the first day the line's open. There's a sample. Only a certain few can can bet on a game as soon as it opens up on Sunday for college. And then the morning before the game, those are the times you – have you ever got on the game, Jonathan, and gave six points and all of a sudden the game time is at 10? That's a good feeling to have when the line's at 10 and you got minus six and mm-hmm. then you do that. I mean, it's just – you just got to – you just can't try to to beat Vegas starting about right now. Right now on, they're they're starting to see these teams play. They've got inside information. You think you have inside information or something, you're crazy. But one thing that threw me on to the Indiana money line the other night, 
and I'm sorry to get off topic a little bit, but Michigan State opened up a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. That line dropped to five points. To me, the home dog in that situation, if you go back in history and you look at lines like this, it's usually that team not only covers, but they win outright, and that's what Indiana did. Um, the Vegas, the perception, Michigan State's a good football team. That's what the perception is. People that had money and study football pushed that line down to five, Jonathan. That's that's why the big movement and the points right there. And you, it's just you got to pay attention. And, and I think Jonathan made the best point of all is those obscure games like Fresno State, UNLV, you know, people like that, UCF, Troy, Idaho. I saw a big movement in that game, Jonathan, from 11.5 to 15, jumped all over Troy. They won by 21. So, I don't know, Vegas is impossible to get. It's impossible for them to know every line of every game and nail it. But those big games that are on CBS and ABC at night, those are the games that that they can really, you know, hone in and, and actually nail. But those other games, I don't think they pay attention a lot to them as much. And that's where a buddy of mine taught me a long time ago. He made a living doing this by betting games that you wouldn't even know would be. They wouldn't even on TV. Hell, they wouldn't even on the radio. They suck so bad that he would cash in on them. And everybody's betting on Tennessee and Georgia or something. And how sick are you, Jonathan, if you bet Tennessee last night? You had the minus three and a half, and you lost because they didn't kick the extra point there at the end of the game. How sickening of a feeling is that? I'm so glad I took the money line. Oh, yeah, I mean, you're sitting there going, it's 28-24, I got this one. Georgia scores, and you're just like, okay, well, I'm just going to take this loss outright. And they hit that hell merit. And, you know, everybody who had three and a hook uh, was was doing the same thing. Are they kicking the extra point? Please kick the extra point. Please kick the extra point. And, and that's why, you know, a lot of people don't do this, and it, it, it eats at me a little bit. When you're on key numbers, 10, Seven, three. If it's a ten and a hook, or seven and a hook, or three and a hook, by the hook, by the half point, you're you're better off doing that and taking the push. If anything like that were to happen, you know that that is something that I did I did notice uh, in that game. Afterwards, they came away going, "Oh, there's a lot of pissed off people right now because they lost no matter what." I always buy it. I had somebody tell me I was stupid for buying halves all the time. I'm like, well. It's helped me a lot more than it's hurt me. I'll tell you that. It's never hurt me because you're not going to notice if if you don't need it. You know, it's like insurance. You know, you you only notice mm-hmm. insurance when you have an accident. When you have an accident, you know, and that was an accident last night. And I've even bought a point before. I bought like if it's three and a half, I may push it down to two and a half because I mean it's better to do that and win than it is to lose. You know, there was a game before we get yeah. into the Tennessee Georgia game. Before we get into that one, uh, Quinn, you may have a feeling about this one. Florida opened up Vegas a nine-and-a-half-point favorite over Vanderbilt, which to me sounded about right. The public all week talking about, you know, Vanderbilt's terrible. They suck. Florida's so great. They blew it. They're going to be angry. In Tennessee, the public moved that line five points. And I got all oh, uh, Vanderbilt. I got Vanderbilt at ten and a half points. That's where I bought Vanderbilt, or ten. I got on them at ten. That line went up to fourteen. And you know what? I still felt good about it. I felt good about Vanderbilt in that game, and they 
they came to cover. But let's go real quick back yeah. to Tennessee, Georgia. We're running out of time. Tennessee, Georgia yesterday, Quinn. What did you think of that Hail Mary of Tennessee? Do you think it was luck, or do you, how are you going to describe that last play? I, I know it shouldn't have even happened uh, if the guy for Georgia hadn't ripped his helmet off of his head after they scored a touchdown, and had they not been offsides on the kickoff, I don't think Dobbs would have ever been able to get it to that end zone. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's luck. It was, it was just a good, well-executed uh, play in bad defensive coverage by uh, Georgia. But I thought no, I thought no way they were gonna get that. I'm like, no way, no way is Tennessee gonna get this hail mary. And then they got it. And I said the same thing about North Carolina. When they kick the field goal, I said, no way he's going to make that, and he makes it. And then moments <laughs> later, the Tennessee Hail Mary happens. It's, it's like, dang, that's crazy. Well, see, 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 Jonathan, your Florida State loss may have gotten overshadowed by Georgia's loss right there, so you may not have to hear about it in the media all week. <laughs> oh, I'll have to hear about it because we're playing Miami this week. But my, my favorite quote about that Tennessee-Georgia game was Bush Jones afterwards saying, I had a feeling, and I switched up from the, the the laterals to the Hail Mary. And when I heard that, I, I just smiled. I kind of chuckled. Because, um, I mean, it, <laughs> it worked. Uh, but it was like, you know, has nobody learned, like, the past five years that the Hail Mary, for some reason, has been working. It doesn't work all – it's like an onside kick. It might not work all the time, but it's working more now than I think it has in a minute. So, you know, I, I, it was just – what a move by Jones is just listen to his gut and say, you know what, let's just have Josh throw it up and, you know, pra- praise be if it comes down our way, it comes down our way. And I love when Georgia loses. I mean, it's it's a good opportunity. I love it. I get to go to work tomorrow. The Georgia fans will be quiet all day. Um, but but Quinn, Quinn, Tennessee going into A and M, you know, this week they have two games in a row. They have Texas A and M on the road, then they host Bama. If they win one of those games, if they can win one of them, they've locked up the SEC East, I think. But one thing about it, people people say that. But Tennessee scares me a little bit because I could see South Carolina or Missouri or somebody like that getting them when they're not prepared because of all the comebacks they've had in all these games. Do you think Tennessee's in danger of – I mean, could Tennessee win both of these games coming up or do you think they're going to split? And if they do split, what do you think about the rest of the season for Tennessee? Because I don't know how good they are right now. I really don't. I couldn't tell you. I don't have a good gauge on Tennessee right now. Yeah, I feel the same way, and I think they'll split. I mean, they very well can win both, but I think they'll split. And then I really don't see the the, the rest of their schedule is pretty easy. I don't I don't think any other team really really has the ability to have the talent, nor just doesn't have the players to to beat uh Tennessee. So Well if you play yeah, down to I your think, competition though, you know, if you play down to your competition, Jonathan, doesn't that scare you if you're a Tennessee fan? Just say you split these next two and you got the rest of the season, you got six weeks 
A lot can happen in six weeks. And if you go to sleep one time, your season's over. Well, I mean, I, I looked at that back half of that schedule, and it's it's this soft week. to say the least. Oh, my goodness, it's pathetic. I mean, <laughs> if Tennessee loses one of those games, just go ahead and shut it down. Just just, just, just shut it down. We're done. Tennessee don't <laughs> need football no more. Um like I, 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 there, there's a chance they could obviously pull off a sweep uh, these next two weeks. There's a chance they could split. There's a chance they can get swept. I think the split is the most likely. Um, and to be completely, completely honest with this, if Tennessee does not finish at least 11 and one, I would be stunned by, 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 uh, by that. Because if you can't beat really? Vanderbilt and Kentucky and South Carolina, and Missouri, and dipshit state, and we got issues. Well, you got to remember, they play A&M on the road this week, and they play Bama the following week in Knoxville. So if they if they lost both of those, it would shock you. I, it They're wouldn't a stun dog on the road. Yeah, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't stun me completely because of the way they've played. Um, I, I, I will I will say this. I think they're gonna lose. You know, they're they're gonna lose this week, but I think they're gonna beat Bama. I do too. I do too. And then you get past that, and you got South Carolina, Tennessee Tech, Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. If you can't win those five games right there for a chance to go to Atlanta, then you'll never do it. I mean. You know, it's nice to spread those games out, but if you're Tennessee, you got to be feeling pretty good. You're 5-0 and right now. You've got a two-game lead on Florida and Georgia. So, and we know Georgia, that's their second loss in the SEC now. So that means they would have to lose three. Florida's lost one, but we know Florida's going to lose again, right? I mean, I don't think Florida's going to run Saturday. the table. Like, yeah, who do they play this Saturday, LSU? LSU, LSU looks mighty fine right about right by now. Well, Ed Orgeron was just the right medicine they needed. I'm glad they waited till after we beat them to fire him because if they fired him before, it might have been some trouble for Auburn right there. And I guess my mind might have been the one being escorted out of the stadium. School record. I'm trying to see. I'm trying school to see record for our game. Already, uh, yeah, Auburn's went up to. It got up to it's a two and a half point favorite now. Since we've been on the phone, Auburn opened up a one point favorite, uh, underdog. Now the, the line has moved three and a half points since we've been on the phone. I haven't even taken a leak yet, and it's already moved. LSU <laughs> opened just... up a, a one. Po- LSU opened up a one point favorite Quinn over Florida in the swamp, and it's moved to a two and a half point favorite LSU. This is not a night game in the swamp, I believe. It is a noon kickoff game. Yes, uh, sir. Leonard Fournette's, Leonard Fournette's questionable, uh, which He'll means he will play. He'll be back. In a day game in Florida, with all their injuries and, and things like that happening, LSU, Fournette having a week off to rest, really. He didn't get a lot of carries against Auburn either, so this guy's going to be rested and ready to go. Do you think Florida's got a chance to beat LSU right there? I say no. I don't. I don't think they can score enough. Florida, if you can, if you only score a couple points on Vanderbilt, you're not gonna. 
You're not going <laughs> to score on LSU. I'm I'm sorry. I mean, Vanderbilt's a good little defense. Don't get me wrong, but they're made up of half stars. There's no one stars. They're half stars at Vanderbilt, <laughs> and, they, and they and they play like I, I don't know. It's just watching Vanderbilt makes me constipated almost trying to watch them play football. But uh, <laughs> but but anyway. Florida, that line right now, if you're out there listening, you better jump on it now. Don't wait until it's up to four and a half. Jump on that LSU right now at minus two and a half. Jonathan, I don't think Florida scores over 13 points in that game. I think LSU beats them probably 27-13, something like that. Florida sucks. They're always going to (laughs) suck. Well, let's go over some early lines real quick in – well, There's a line I saw. North Carolina oh. opened up over Virginia Tech as a six and a half, and it's moved down to two and a half. Well, take Virginia Tech. Something's going on. The fix is in. Here's a here's one for you, Jonathan. Miami opened up a one and a half point favorite. Now they're a three point favorite over Florida State. Who would you take in that game? Miami. Oklahoma opened up a seven-point favorite over Texas. It's up to ten. Uh, Oklahoma is going to beat Texas's eyeballs out after last year, I think. But Oklahoma is not a very good team. You saw what happened yesterday. They got up on TCU and almost lost it. If it wasn't for that stupid uh, replay official botching that call up, hell, Oklahoma could have lost that game. Ohio State's a 31-point favorite over Indiana. After Indiana beat Michigan State, that Play shows you point. what Vegas thinks of Indiana. Yeah, exactly. See, you gotta, you gotta, you kind of gotta look at stuff like that. Um, Clemson's favored sixteen and a half over Boston College. Take Boston College. I always like those sixteen and a half point teams. But Texas and Charlie Strong right now. You know, we talked about Texas is back and all this. We were wondering. Uh, how good Texas was after they beat Notre Dame. We didn't realize that Notre Dame was going to struggle like they did and fire their defensive coordinator a couple weeks ago. But do you remember when when Charlie Strong was hired, I was the first one to come out and say, what a terrible hire of a coach. Guy has no business coaching Texas. He wouldn't last but a few years because he just sucks. You look at him on the sidelines, he looks like he just sucks. You know, have you ever seen somebody that just looked clueless? He looks Jim like Caldwell. he's on the sidelines thinking, he's thinking, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? What the hell am I going to eat tonight? It's fourth down. Hell with a timeout. We're not going to call a timeout. Let's just let the penalty happen. <laughs> I mean, he, he's, he's a moron of a coach. And and be honest, Quinn, they got lucky to beat you. But Notre Dame's going to be back because they have one of the best coaches in the country. Texas, on the other hand, if I'm Texas, I'm calling Herman and saying, look, We'll pay you eight million a year to come here. We're going to fire Charlie Strong tonight. Will you accept? Yes or no? Kind of like in school when you're writing your girlfriend, "Do you love me? I love you." Yes or no? Or maybe you know. Well, um, I you think know, Texas needs to go ahead and find somebody now because he's he's about to take the Titanic's going down, Jonathan. Well, yeah, I mean Charlie Strong for uh, Florida State defensive coordinator, uh, but. The problem with uh, the problem with uh, Herman is Houston's paying him eight million a year right now. Are they so, really? Yeah, yeah. 
So you really pay, have to come in over the top. Pay $12 million. I mean, you got the money there in Texas. Well, are we sure money. Herman's the next Saban, though? Because that's what kind of money yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, I know Dustin hates this, but what about bringing Art Bryles into Texas? Paying him back. It wouldn't happen. It <laughs> wouldn't happen. But, but I'm telling you, Charlie Strong is a deer in headlights right now. His defensive coordinator doesn't even know he's on defense half the time he's calling plays. He's out there. I mean, they don't know where they're lining up. They don't know who to tackle. Before long, it's going to be like Florida out there. Offensive linemen were blocking each other. Pretty soon, Charlie Jones guys are going to be tackling each other on the field. You watch. Being a Florida Gator. Do you remember that, Quinn, when Florida was blocking each other? The offensive linemen were engaged with each other? Yeah. 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 But the – but that's what I'm talking about. It's time. Charlie Strong is a waste of time, space, money, energy. And I guarantee you, I, I'm going to predict this, bold prediction for Brian. Charlie Strong gets fired after next weekend. Next Sunday, you, you turn it on Sports Center. Charlie Strong and his whole staff has been fired. They're going to bring in uh, the guy from Friday Night Lights who played, uh, what's his name? Coach Taylor is going to take it because I, I just don't see it. And here's another line I don't see. Alabama's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite in Arkansas. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. The night game, 8 o'clock. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. Nope. Nope. We all remember how Alabama struggled, struggled, struggled in Fayetteville. Uh-uh. Take some yeah. points. Yeah. Here's what I don't uh, understand. Tennessee played Florida on CBS. They played Georgia on CBS. They're going to play A&M on CBS. And now they're, next week Alabama's going to be playing them. What is this, a Tennessee network or something, CBS now? I thought there was a limit. I thought there was a limit of how many times you could be on CBS because when Auburn was good back in the day, they couldn't be on there but several times. I think it was three times. But Tennessee – I just don't understand that. But I think it's good for Arkansas, guys, that it's a night game, 8 o'clock Eastern, and a night game in Arkansas. And then Alabama's in danger in that game, I'm telling you. That's a dangerous game for Alabama. They should have lost two years ago. Jonathan, you remember? the uh, What was it? 16-14? 14 I think. 14-13, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they missed the extra point. They missed the yeah. extra point in that one. But, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good game. A&M's favored six and a half over Tennessee. We're going to find out how good Tennessee, how good Texas A&M is this week. If Texas A&M comes in and takes care of business against Tennessee, Jonathan, I think it's safe to say that they have a shot, you know, to win the West. But if they come in and lose to Tennessee, it's the same old thing you're going to see. I think Kevin Sumlin's about, I mean, about equal to Charlie Strong as a head coach. They're both clueless, but at least Sumlin went in and got Chavis to come in. And I don't know if y'all saw that yesterday before they played South Carolina. Chavis, the defensive coordinator for A&M, they made him go back to the locker room and get his ID, his credentials, so he could come on the field. They didn't even know who he was. That's how dumb the people <laughs> of South Carolina are. 
They don't even know who <laughs> Cade is, Jonathan. He cussed the guy out. I saw him. He cussed him, and he turned around and went back into the locker room. But that guy was giving him a hard time about having his badge where he could see who he was. <laughs> that, this is... I, I, yeah, that sounds like South Carolina. I mean, how disrespectful is that? I mean, like, really? Texas had them played around with them yesterday, thank God, because that, that point spread stayed right where I hoped it would. They just played around with them to cover. And so next week should be pretty fun. Jonathan, any game you're looking forward to next week? We're going to be previewing them this Wednesday. Who are you, who are you looking at and who do you like? So far, your early games, looking at them. Well, I mean, my my big game, obviously, is this week, and I would love it if my team showed up uh, and put together um, at least a three-quarter. I, I don't know. Just put together the same effort you did against North Carolina offensively, and, and y'all <laughs> y'all should win that game. That's, that's all I'm asking. Um, I mean, looking ahead, we got nothing on Thursday. We got, you know – Clemson goes to Boston College Friday night. I'd keep an eye on that game. Boston College is known for being a thorn in Clemson's side. Um, you know, I, looking at some of these other games, the new games I think are pretty simple. Texas, Oklahoma, LSU, Florida. That That's what you're watching. Those are going to be two daggum good games. Um, your 330 kick. I mean, we already know. It's North Carolina, Virginia Tech, and Tennessee A&M. I'm going to want to check in on Colorado at USC because I want to see where Colorado's at more than anything. And we already know the nightcap, Alabama, Arkansas, uh, Florida State, Miami. But your game that's under the radar, we need to keep an eye on Washington at Oregon. That's a huge game for Washington. They've lost 12 in a row to Oregon. Austin Stadium can be a very hostile environment. I'm, I'm going to stare that game down pretty hard. i, I got to be honest, though. I kind of like having only, like, two games on each slate because that well, just makes my viewing well, so easy. Well, 12 o'clock, I'll be watching Mississippi State and Auburn. And one thing that annoys me more than anything is those cowbells. I mean, I thought they outlawed them. And you can't even get a snap off anymore in that place. So hopefully, you know, to beat Mississippi State, you go in there early and score, and those cowbells shut up a little bit. But uh, that's a that's a stadium that I've never wanted to visit because I would end up punching ten or twelve people out. If somebody puts a cowbell in my face, I'd probably take it and slap them with it. But, uh, we should just bring our own Auburn into. cowbells. And then just no, then, no, <laughs> no, no. Look, man, I, I I went to a lot of Rays games. For some reason, the Tampa Bay Rays picked up the whole cowbell thing. No, no, <laughs> don't do it. Don't. don't. Cowbells just need to go away. Like, I, and Mississippi State does it. We're an ag school, whatever. Okay, that's that's fine and dandy. But no, we need to stop. I'm done with cowbells. I've seen fights in stands yeah. with 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 people who same fan base fighting over cowbells because somebody's just sitting here and it's the whole game. Yeah, and that, that would be me. That's why I don't go. I mean, because I would probably just turn around and punch the redneck in the face and they'd probably <laughs> haul me off to some jail under the under the stadium there in Starkville, what they do to the visiting team, and probably 
I don't know what they'll try to do, but I don't want to find out. But anyway, guys. Now, 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 now. Yeah, it'd be like it'd be like a movie. What's that movie? Uh, Deliverance. I can't remember. Yes, thank you. Deliverance is what it'd be like there in Starkville. But anyway, guys, thanks for joining me. We'll be back Wednesday or Thursday. Hopefully Wednesday is what we're going to try our best to do. Uh, we've done a two-hour show tonight. My, how time flies by when you're bashing everybody. But anyway, um, Quinn, thanks for joining us. Jonathan, sorry for y'all your defeat, Jonathan, but it will get better. Trust me. No. Florida State. Florida State, now what I'm saying is if it doesn't, they'll go ahead and get rid of your coach and it will get better because the bottom line is you got five-star players everywhere. You may not win it this year, okay, but next year um, with Francois coming back, Francois, whatever you say his name, will be back. I think his team will be good, but I don't, I'm, it's safe to say that Cook won't be back, correct? <laughs> yeah, Dalvin won't, but we got Patrick, and he's running like a grown man finally, so I'm I'm, I'm okay there. All right, guys. Well, Quinn, take care. Jonathan, everybody, have a safe week. And the presidential debate will be Sunday. And uh, when's that vice presidential debate coming up? Uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not even really paying attention. I, I don't know. I think it's <laughs> tomorrow. I think it's tomorrow. So, Quinn, pay attention, okay? Pay attention to it. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, anything y'all want to talk about before we go? Any final thoughts? I think we're good. <laughs> the Chargers found a way to give the game away. The Browns are the no, only team. Yes, they did. The Chargers fumbled twice in their own end. The Saints won 35-34. The Browns are the only team without a win in the NFL this year. Oh, yeah, another news. Uh, the Panthers suck. Cam yeah, Newton's an idiot. He's an idiot. Yeah, something. He got I mean, himself you know, hurt. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you this. Losing Norman was the biggest loss, and I didn't see it coming. I didn't see I didn't think it would impact it, but losing Norman off that – having a lockdown, shutdown corner – made that Carolina defense go. Let those linebackers play aggressive. But you give up 500 yards to Matt Ryan, you should quit. There ought to be a clause in the the TV or whatever in the season. If you give up 500 yards to the Falcons passing, you have to resign from the NFL for that year. And that's what should have happened. They should have stopped the game right there, taken all their money. You don't get paid. You don't get anything for the year. Give me your money back. Any paycheck you've got, you're done. We're going to come back next year and see what we can do. But it's an embarrassment right now what's going on in, what's, what's going on in Carolina right now. So, luckily, they're in the NFC South, and we know the Falcons' tendencies to choke, and they will. Um, so, the Saints are 1-3, the Panthers are 1-3, and, and the Bucks are 1-3, and, and the and the Falcons are 3-1. and one. So, it's safe to say that the Falcons are about to lose three or four in a row. Trust me on that, guys. <laughs> But uh, we'll, we'll see which team, the other three I just talked about, can come back and take first place. I don't know. Anyway, guys, take place. care. Yeah. Yeah, so's the Panthers, second place. We love it. Maybe we'll talk some baseball. When do, when do the playoffs start? Uh, playoffs Tuesday, are Tuesday. Right? Today was the last, uh, the last day. Um, 
everybody who needed to win won today. So we're going to have the Blue Jays and the Orioles Tuesday night for the wild card, American League wild card. And Wednesday night, you're going to get a pitching matchup that you're going to love. You're not going to want to miss. Madison Bumgarner against Noah Syndergaard. Uh, winner of that series goes and plays the Cubs. Winner of the American League series goes and plays Texas. So did the Yankees make the playoffs? No, and luckily they didn't win 86 games, so I nailed it on the under-86 wins for the year. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Well, we'll talk some baseball uh, Wednesday night as well. Everybody take care. Have a good week. God bless. We'll see you soon. All right, guys. Yeah.